Welcome to Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Martin Rashford lines up the corner flag entry kick. Ooh, curver. Alright guys, welcome to week two of the Upper 90 podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Your host as always, Dan McCarthy. Joined this week again by... Club director Carl Dixon. What are we going with? Club man? Uniform director this week. Uniform director Sam Fairhurst. And joined by a couple of special guests this week. We have a couple of friends from the CFA San Clemente, Andy and Dallas. Welcome, gents. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. The traffic up here was fantastic, so we really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. <laughs> that was Dallas, by the way. Andy, Andy anything? <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Looking forward to having a bit of banter through this. Um, looking forward to all the topics we've got to discuss. Yeah, lots going on on the whiteboard behind us. Lots to talk about. Uh, might as well get straight into you guys, really. You know, we don't really have guests that often, so when we do, we want to make them feel welcome. So maybe give us a scope about CFA. Tell us about uh, it. So uh, the CFA is down in is the the club branch of Elite Soccer League, which is a recreational organization we have recreational signature teams that we use we use kind of promote the cal south signature model quite a bit um and then after they kind of progress through the recreation and the signature we uh, have the club branch the club arm which is california football academy and there are i know andy would probably know more in terms of how many teams that we have coming in but coming into 2019 2020 we'll probably have close around 20 22 teams um from 2011s through to our oldest team will be the 2001s because obviously our 2000s are graduating out of the program after National Cup. And so that's in San Clemente. You'll have those teams down in San Clemente. And then up in the South County area, uh, we have a couple different um, branches of it. You'd have CFA Brazil and then CFA South County. And so kind of uh, all over the place on those things. But uh, we actually provide a lot of opportunities for those kids to move on from the signature and recreation into the club. But... We will get talking about how the challenges that we have down there in that area, just probably similar to you guys, the challenges that you face, you know, yeah. up here in Manhattan. Yeah, it sounds like you guys got a lot going on. So, when did CFA start? Uh, CFA kind of got going. Um, Elite Soccer League really got going back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Uh, our owner um, he set up the recreation side of it, um, and more and more teams wanted to join it. And then what happened out of the recreation program was teams kind of outgrew the rec side the signature side through Cal South and we promoted them into the club side and at the time we were competing in Co Soccer League um, and then back in about 2013 we rebranded to CFA brought in CFA San Clemente um, and we've kind of grown organically through our recreation and signature program and brought on our paid staff and whatnot and now competing in SCDSL. Fantastic. Was there like a particular reason that you started the club? Did you see something in the market there, or you just? I think I think a lot of it was just uh, down in in that in the South County area. There wasn't a lot of other recreational options besides AYSO, and so the owner found uh, another you know way to have a competitive uh, another competitive option. <clears throat> That's not just in the AYSO model, but 
using the CalSouth signature model. So that bridge between recreation and club, not a lot of people were using it at the time. Now you see it a little bit more, especially in our area, you see it a lot more people using it. Fullerton Rangers use the signature uh, branch a lot. Uh, I, I even think uh, LA Galaxy Orange County are using that. They have a, a particular model that they're using. But at the time, no one was really using it. But like as Andy said, as those teams would progress, a lot of the teams would want to just kind of stay together mm. or the, you know, a, you know, eight or nine kids on a team would want to stay together. And so we needed to provide a, uh, a club option for them to graduate into. So it's interesting that, you know, wh- how the, how the organization was set up, it was definitely set up with recreation first in mind and giving those kids, uh, giving parents another in the community, another option in terms of just AYSO and then moving them into the, cl- the club uh, I identity and the club culture came later. So we kind of set a foundation in, the, in our community just with signature and recreation. And uh, now we're having, you know, building the club portion of it. So there's kind of like a real structured pyramid thing. Can I jump in and ask you a question? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I guess I want to. So do you guys use the, <laughs> the, the rec program as like, it's kind of like the younger ages and then they feed in? Or yeah, do you have right. Do you have any rec ages that are the same as your club ages? So our rec program, we have a, a recreation program that's this year will be the 2014s to 2011s. And then the signature program through Cal South, that actually has teams from 2000 and 2011 this year through to 2003s, I believe, this year. So there is a bit of uh, crossover between our club age groups, our recreation and our middle age group, which is the Cal South signature program. Um, in San Clemente, we are we're now kind of really focusing in on the club side of everything, um, and then we have our recreation program, which will be the 14s to 11s, building them up, staying together, you know, with the hope that they will come into the club and follow the CFA San Clemente kind of pathway into competitive soccer. Yeah. So in, in the ages where there's like. Uh, let's say 2007s where you've got club teams and rec teams, the kids play both or the kids choose one or the other? That's, a, that's it kind of <laughs> comes down to what the parents are wanting or what maybe that individual is wanting in terms of maybe the level that they'd like to be at. A lot of the times what we've done was kind of has been a, a, because of the size of our club, we can kind of do a lot of things this way in terms of like evaluating players, like groups of players. Like we can do like, either single uh, evaluations where a player is interested in joining the the organization, whether that's on the elite side or California or the CFA side. And so they come out to a training session and we actually, the coaches do an evaluation on, Hey, where the best fit for this player will be, whether that's on the recreation side or the signature side or uh, coming into the club side. We even have ways where if maybe they're, they're not really ready, even for the recreation side, we have uh, spring uh, weekend uh, camps that we do yeah. so that there's a place for them to go and learn. And that's obviously got a paid staff as well that's there. That's about a 90-minute to two-hour uh, thing that we do each Saturday through the spring. And in the summer, obviously, we, we, we put those as well. So we try to find a place that uh, fits what the player is looking for, but also what the player is ready for instead of just being like, hey, look, you're ready for club, and they're not ready for club. And, you know, it, we don't want to put that kind of pressure on anybody. And we just try to find the, the, the right place for them. And then, following up again, <laughs> would you say then, obviously, I mean, it sounds obvious to me, but for the listeners, the club level at your club is the highest level. The recreation, like the AYSO type signature stuff, is below that club level? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we, we have our signature program that really is our rec side of it, and then we, we promote out of that 
players who are ready to move into club. Um, but yeah, our club competes in SCDSL. Um, you know, we have our flight threes, flight twos, flight one teams as well. Yeah, I'm just interested. I'm just asking that because we we occasionally get kids who this is a big area for AYSL. Yeah. So we get kids who do a little bit of both, mm-hmm. and occasionally you get the odd. <clears throat> Odd situation where a kid or a family or a parent wants to choose to play in an AYSL game over a state cup game, for example. So I'm no. just kind of trying to give the listeners a bit no, of that. That's not. That's uh, I completely know what you're talking about. We actually even on my own uh, in my own. I have an 04 flight one girls team, and through the spring, because some of my 04 girls were playing in high school, we had uh, you know we had like six of them were going off to high school to play, and we had some eighth grade 04s, and we have some eighth grade 05s. So that they hadn't, didn't really have a lot of playing options, so we had to kind of merge two teams that were in the same situation together within our club. But even some of those players were going off and playing, you know, AYSO and AYSO Spring League because it's something they could do and it didn't interfere with any of our conflicts. And yeah. But, you know, for the most part, we always try to say, like, look, if you're, if you're playing at the club, we need you at any, if we're doing tournaments and things like that. And so if, I think if the communication is good between the parents, like, and the club, it's like, look, come to the club games and then... Yeah, but, at, at club we we run our programs on twelve month commitments. Um, so when a player commits to CFA San Clemente, you know, then predominantly trying to step away from AYSO, uh, step away from recreation, and really concentrate on that competitive play. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of for the parents listening, to kind of see it's not just us that are saying that. Yeah. it's pretty consistent no, it's, for you soccer that yeah. club yeah. should come first. AYSO rec is great as a extra. But kind of just wanted to hear it from another point no, of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah I no, I completely agree. I feel like if we can get players playing a lot more, that's great. So if they have time to go and invest and gain time with AYSO, that's great. But we as a club do require our players to be committed to our CFA team over potentially going to play in an AYSO game. Yeah. But if there is time for them to do it, we don't have a problem. Because yeah. the more if they it, play, the better they'll get. If anything, the conversations that become, if they're doubling up their the amount of matches that they're playing, like... I think even then it comes to talking to the parents about making sure the players' hydration levels are good and they're recovering well enough, that they're sleeping well enough because they're doubling up their matches and stuff. So that becomes a whole different conversation, especially on the age. So. Burnout. So, want to avoid burnout, right? Yeah, that was a big one. We uh, we talked about this yeah. last week about the AYSO part and uh, you know speaking as AYSO All-Stars is really big in this area. Interesting. And the community actually, I think it's the third biggest AYSO in the country. Jeez. So, there, you know, because AYSO started in Torrance. Mm. So, it, there's a big rally behind it. And, you know, the way, like, State Cup pretty much lines up, it typically lets kids play in ASO All-Stars and State Cup. The dates don't conflict. But with the rain this year, it conflicted. So that's where Sam was saying, you know, some people decided to do other things and I was talking to someone yesterday about you know our message moving forward will be not to be playing it at all because like you said you were talking about hydration levels mm-hmm. it's okay to take a weekend off yeah like that's the thing like people don't understand that you know like playing three games in state cup in wherever it is Lancaster where Andy's been you know first of all the travel's horrific travel's horrific the weather's horrific and then next week you're drafted in to be on a all-star team for what reason like I keep on asking what's the reason you're playing that you know and there's never really a most of the time I get it's parent fueled 
And I actually go to the kids and ask them, and then they end up saying, you know, uh, mom or dad wants me to play, or I need to help that team out. Yeah, I, I get that you a lot know? from our teams. Like, we need to, like, it's me and a friend who are the club-level players, yeah. Yeah. and if we're not there, that te- it's not going to be a good experience for the team. So. Whereas that kid should probably take the weekend off, him and his parents should go for lunch and hang out at the beach and yeah. you know people yeah be a kid people wonder why there's so many knee injuries and hips and all that like so anyways just jumping in well, welcome to the podcast thanks, 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 thanks for coming wanted to hear the Irish accent <laughs> yeah. it was voted the most sexiest accent 2017 and 18 so just so I yeah, yeah. in Manhattan Beach the world the world Check the poll. It has been revealed that all sources for that poll are fake. <laughs> now, just quickly, guys, before I we actually, move on I to... posted it. <laughs> before we move on to part two, just quickly, maybe introduce, you know, your roles within the club, yep. just quickly. Dallas, maybe go first. Um, I've been I've been with the, the organization of the club <sighs> since about 2012, and varying things have kind of changed as I've progressed through it, from just being a head coach to, to certain age levels, and then now uh, to my role as what we call a, a pathways director, where we have uh, three different programs and three different pathways that we try to identify, um, you know, players if they have an interest in either playing in college or maybe going to uh, ODP or even on the professional aspect of it. So I use my network and contacts uh, and also uh, kind of my own experiences to help guide players through those things and also come up with programs within those three, uh, you know, pathways to, you know, help players uh, achieve the goals that they want to achieve in terms of, you know, how far they'd like to go just next week. Uh, was it the seventh? We're going to have our uh, another college recruitment uh, meeting that I'll run, and we just kind of guide parents and players through what the recruiting process is, and and kind of maybe some do's and don'ts, but also just really just crushing myths. I, there's a lot of misinformation out there in terms of that process, so that's part of uh, one of the things that we do. Uh, so uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Fantastic pathway director. Maybe another role for you, Sam. I, I applied for the kit manager but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we've already got a good kit manager made already. <laughs> perfect and Andy what about yourself what do you, what do you get up to with San Clemente uh, well with CFA San Clemente I'm the director of coaching you know and then wear many hats like I'm sure Carl will agree with me I'm out there lining fields sorting out uniforms uh, organising the camps you know man, man of many hats um, you, you know, so our, you want to come to our meeting on Monday? Andy, very Andy Fairhurst. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah, really just direct the club, keep it moving forward. You know, on our long-term plan and short-term plans. You know, I'm there. I also head coach of uh, three teams within San Clemente, and I help oversee kind of the north side of CFA, which is the CFA Brazils, the CFA Madrids, and CFA South County. Some fancy names there. We've got yeah. Them, yeah. Okay, Sand and Surf Brazil. Yeah. There you go. Sand and Surf England. Actually, surely. we, just have surf, <laughs> we, we yeah. actually hired two new coaches from Brazil. So we do have. We're, we're yeah. in that market. You're in that there, market. You go. there it is. Uh, we don't want you poaching our Brazilian coaches. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get onto that later. But no, perfect. So actually, follows on to our third part of part one here: the future of CFA. You kind of mentioned short-term plan, long-term plan. Maybe we can go straight to you, Andy. Do you have maybe like a five, ten year plan or maybe even a three year plan? Like kind of what is the future of CFA? What are you guys trying to achieve yeah, in, San- in the near future? Very, yeah, very good question. In San Clemente, we are a community based club. Um, San Clemente is a small little town. You know, the furthest 
city in yeah. South County, uh, yeah, in Orange County, before, before you, you hit San Diego. Diego. You know, and the families are very community orientated, and so is the club. So our long term plan is, you know, we obviously want to build as a club. You know, aim to always have two or three teams in every age group that's solid that supports the community. Because in the past, people have left the community to go and seek out some of these bigger clubs in the Mission Viejo areas and whatnot. And there's no need now because, you know, we run a really solid program. We want to provide a program that allows players to develop. You know, our ultimate goal is to help these players reach their goals. Maybe their goal is college. But one of the big things being a community club is these boys and girls really want to play for their high school. So through a really solid training plan, good coaching, you know, good experiences, our aim is to develop our players to be able to make those programs. Yeah, what's really interesting right now, San Clemente High School is in the Division I CIF final on Saturday. And starting goalkeeper, uh, I think there's four, five kids. There's five, isn't there? In the, in in the roster? On the varsity roster. In the squad, there's eight CFA players. On, on varsity? On varsity. There's eight. See, there are eight wow. CFA players, you know, and uh, those kids get an opportunity to play in a big game like that. And I was just at the uh, semifinal the other night, and it is a very, especially down in the San Clemente area, I mean, you saw kids walking around in their CFA San Clemente gear, and there was, you know, at least, I would say probably close to three or 4,000 people uh, there to watch the semifinal game at the at, at the high school there in the, in, the, in San Clemente. So, and he's right, it's a, down in San Clemente, it's a very community-based, you know, they really put that that for the high school. Playing for the high school is a big deal. So, like I said, we want to help those kids achieve their goals. If that's just their goal there, to help them and put them on the path there. But I think for, I think the entire thing is just really try to maybe not grow incredibly quickly, where we don't have maybe the quality the quality of coaches to be able to to help that because we don't want to just. Obviously, yeah, we don't want we don't want to have teams to have teams if we don't have the if we if we can't give them quality instruction or quality education. Like, what's the point of doing that? There's no. I think in the long term, maybe in the short term, you think, well, that's a good thing. But in the long term, what ends up happening is we 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 kind of fall off the map in terms of really developing developing players, which is what we're here to do. Like I've told Carl a couple times when I've when I've spoken to him, like we're in the trenches. Like we're in the trenches. We're not. You know, we're not. Uh, EPL clubs, we're not like anything like that. We're dealing with you know different types of problems. Like our our biggest problem, our biggest challenge is, is player development. We want to develop players, and if we're not doing that, then we're getting away from like who we are as coaches. And I think of who we are as a club, and so it's it's very important for us that we always make make sure that we're player development first. Fantastic. I mean, sounds like you guys are doing it for the right reasons. Ethical, you know, player development is obviously very. Core, the core to what you guys are trying to do over there. I mean, Carl, just maybe jump in as club director. Sounds like it's a pretty similar mission to what we have here in Manhattan Beach, right? Yeah, I think that's why we hosted you guys as our first, you know, club that we've hosted. And, you know, I've known Dallas for a long time, just met Andy recently. I think we align very well. Actually, I think a piece that you guys do that we don't have yet is the high school part. And that you know, age group and pathway. That's something that we've had to pretty much revamp our club. You know, the goal for us was more soccer, higher level teams in the earlier age groups. So then when they get older, yeah. those kids will fill the high school team. We noticed that like in the past few years, you know, if you have a flight two team in a group that's going to high school, 
it's going to be tough for them. So we need to have our kids competing at the highest level to get those opportunities. So I think you guys are a little ahead on that front. So it's, 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 it's funny. We really, especially, uh, we really celebrate and really congratulate the kids who are playing high school. Like we all, we all want to know, we encourage, I know up in the South County area, we really encourage the, the, the girls or the boys who are going to be attending a certain high school to get involved at their, their high school camps. But also like this year for the you know, four girls, the flight ones, you had girls that were playing on JV. Some girls got called into varsity. And so, you know, once we found out about that, we were really, you know, promoting that and saying, hey, go out and watch this particular player. So we're playing on varsity today. So we don't have, you know, ECNL, we don't have the, we don't have, we don't have a selling point in terms of a circuit to, to you know, be like, hey, we're a part of ECNL or the developmental academy. We don't have that, that, that tool or that circuit to sell players on. So we really have to just kind of know, our, know ourselves and know our place and to say, look, we can really promote getting great players into high school, using the ODP model, getting kids into colleges, you know, and then uh, any, through, any, any way we can in, in the pro development uh, area as well. So it's something fun. And, but it's, it, once your guys is the younger age groups that here, once they, once they mature and they progress, like you're going to have, you know, sand and surf will be, you know, in those, in those whatever, I don't, what high schools around here is it? So Miracosta, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of kids tend to go to private schools as well, like Loyola boys. But, you know, a few years back, a lot longer before I was running the club, there was a bit of a break off. And we actually lost a lot of our older teams to another club. So right now, the varsity and JV teams oh, are actually kids. filled with kids that you started with our platform. Yeah. Okay. Like pretty much till the first year of 11 v 11. So we're now just redoing the model. So right now, like we look at it, our 06 elite, that will pretty much be the Miracosta freshman team. There's not that many more kids from 06 that are in different clubs Mm. from Manhattan area. And then our 07 elite is very similar. Mm. Majority of our team will now be that team. And it'll be made up of maybe one or two kids from the surrounding clubs. Whereas in the past few years, it's been the reverse. It's been 80% of the other clubs and then one or two of ours. But we've seen with our GO4 this year. There was yeah, that, there was a number a, of girls made various teams, Redondo, awesome. El Segundo. Yeah, yeah. So, so, honestly, I, I mean, just- And that's a working model. Like that's been a three, four year working no, model with a coach, works, you know? But you see the fruit that comes from the work, but also in terms of like, you know, because the situation, the, our clubs kind of marry each other in terms of just the size and what we have in terms of, like I said, the circuit. The circuit isn't what we're necessarily pro- you know promoting. We're promoting player development, and so we should celebrate. Or, and you know, social media like congratulations to you know whoever for making this team, and like they got a game here and they've been playing well. Like those types of things really, it gives the the players, the younger players, like uh, something to kind of aim for and shoot for. And uh, you know, there's a lot of quality high school programs, and there's a lot of quality high school coaches, and it's it's a exciting time in a kid's life to to play in those environments and play for, in front of their peers and so we really you know we really like I said we really celebrate that with our with our kids. Yeah, so like you're very grounded with your goals. You know you know what yeah. you're good at. You know what your your niche is, and you stick with that. You stick to your values. It's very easy to so, get sucked into other hey, stuff. So let's niche uh, or niche. Niche. I'm not gonna get into that. So it's, <laughs> not, it's not the day, is it? It's in there. In this room. How do you spell it? N I C H. 
There's an accent mark in there somewhere. Where's the tea? It's French. I never thought a guy from Wigan, England would get an Instagram. I remember sitting sitting in a business class in university over here and the professor's going. Was it in Florida? Yeah, you know I lived in Florida. I've heard you lived in Florida. Did you know I won the Steve Nash Charity Shield? And uh, the professor's going Drop. like, niche, niche, yeah. Niche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't really, not really concentrating anyway, but like, don't really know what he's going on about. Niche, niche. And then he wrote it on the board in like a sentence. After about half an hour, I'm like, oh, fucking niche. <laughs> niche. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about grammar. <laughs> so uh, I think everything we've heard has been pretty positive, you know, enlightening. But we like to be controversial here, and we like to <laughs> oh, stir the pot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, is Carl? Is Carl actually going to go for it on air? That's the question. The uh, we like to you know talk about issues that we have as a club. Like we do that. You know, we get parent parent questions, which we'll go through at the end. But you know, we we did a whole season where we touch on certain subjects, whether it's. Other clubs, other coaches, uh, parent situations, even kids situations. So, you know, we've heard all the great stuff you're doing. Let's hear some of that side because it might be relatable to things that we've talked about in the past. So, you know, have a think of maybe a couple of situations where it's been issues. You know, you can tell the story. You don't have to name names or anything. But, you know, it's, it'd be interesting for everyone to hear because... Yeah. We spoke about the AYSO component, which is so similar. You know, we talked about the high school part. It, it, the, both clubs coincide very well. So what is, as director, Andy, yeah. like what is big issues that you deal with on a daily basis? Like, and what, what, what would you highlight as the top couple and give us some... Yeah, well, give us some thoughts. Give us some stories, Andy. I'll know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> I won't name names. By the way, Dallas, you're not let off. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 no no name. I'm going to be naming names. He's going to be calling out names. names. Get really close but, to the mic. Obviously, you know, in San Clemente, it's a small little community town, and we're not the we're not the only people in the surrounding area and stuff. And you know, there is this big pull on on I need to make a high school program. So we do run into sometimes the battle of okay, I've got to go play for, play for this coach because of, you know, I'm going to make that high school team more often than not, you know. And, you know, that's one of the biggest struggles that we run into um, is educating the parents. And it's more about player development over who you actually play for to allow your child to develop and make the high school program or whatever. So that's kind of one of our biggest challenges. Um, over the last couple of years, we've kind of nipped that in the butt a little bit. Um, by the quality of the coaching that we've provided. But we still do run into those issues where we do lose players out of our programme because they think that they need to be playing for that coach year-round to suddenly make that coach's high school programme. So. Something that I've seen kind of consistently, because we are a smaller club and uh, you, I, I feel like we're really streamlined a lot more now, more than ever, uh, we've kind of cut away some of the fat in terms of, you know, some people moving on, some people choosing to move on, or some people just all out, just flat out leaving together. We, uh, you know, it happens a lot in our situation where because we don't offer, like I said before, we don't have a certain circuit to sell uh, to re to use as a recruitment tool. We can't say, you know, we have the academy and that's just going to bring out, you know, 150 kids to a training session or 100 to a tryout. 
or we have ECNL and we're going to get, you know, another 150 kids coming out. So we don't have those things to sell. And so what, what ends up happening is it almost in a way the coach, some of the coaches and some of the people that have been involved with, with the club take their teams out of our club to go somewhere else or and and then so there's a there's a falling out in terms of like we're losing three or four teams or maybe a team in general and we're losing a coach and they're taking the team with them because we don't offer a certain a certain circuit and and sometimes that's parent driven sometimes the parents aren't particularly happy they you know they want what they think they want what's best for their kid and they think that this particular circuit's going to get that and that's fair enough and then the coach feels the same way like well I'm, I should be getting better players or I should be getting more players and I think that's what when I, I agree with Andy like we really have to be the best coaches we can possibly be so like we can develop a kid who might be a five or a six you know when they first come to us we can get them to an eight or a nine instead of only always looking for eight and nines because in that situation we're never going to be able to compete if we're having that kind of idea we're never going to be able to compete with any other any other club because we're always trying to get the best player all the time instead of creating the best player. I've often told Andy, it's like, we feel like we're the Southampton of South Orange County because <laughs> we just, oh, oh, we oh, just get... What is a club in decline? <laughs> so just, just constantly being pillaged every year, I feel like. Pillage, taken, players been, been see, taken. See, we're, we're the Liverpool. We see ourselves as the Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking the players, exactly. No, so that's... No, but we do, we do struggle with sometimes, you know, the, the myth of pre-academy, right? And, okay, you can be pre-academy too, or I'm pretty sure soon we'll have pre-academy three coming along. You know, and really, in our eyes, we're... <laughs> everybody's pre-academy until your academy and you know these the myth of I've got to go play for this club if I want to play eventually academy you know we we constantly fight that battle I'm I'm pretty sure you guys fight that battle as we, well we've actually solved it so this year we're actually launching pre-professional teams okay that's, yeah, that's yeah. going to be so our you, brand you jump the academy <laughs> yeah why not the like, like, Manchester United <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. boys no. I six double P <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it, it was we don't fight that battle it happens uh, but those programs have to prove themselves yeah. and most times I'd go maybe 50-50 even higher on our end those people tend to come back yeah, or even move on. Yeah. So it's it's one thing having that brand, but the next is, I always say, you're going to have to prove it. So we, we tend to not get annoyed yeah. anymore and mm. it's not as big as it happened, but it's, it is quite interesting. Like people do like think like <sighs> pre-academy two, three, like what does that mean really? Yeah. You yeah. know, you're just no, the first, second and third team, like yeah. you know. And a lot of it, let's be honest, because a lot of these clubs, you know, don't have a first team to graduate into and you know, you could even say if you look at the LA Galaxy roster, there's not a lot of academy kids that even make that the LA Galaxy first team. So you take that one out, LAFC's Academy hasn't produced a player to sign for the first team quite yet. And then you look at so then you have all these other youth clubs who have DA teams, they don't have a first team, so Everyone's really trying to get, you know, into college, and so a lot of the things that we deal with is players going or parents saying to us like, "Well, we've got to be we've got to be playing academy, so we have the best opportunity for kids to go to college." And me working in the college game, you know, going on now will be five years, and being and and having been recruiting now, it it's just not true. Like if the player is developing in a good environment, they're being challenged. They've got a they've got a coach that believes in them and is pushing them in a certain way that they can get the best out of them, and the player is progressing. 
you know, it doesn't really make a difference to us if the kid is just playing SC to self light one or, you know, playing uh, what Coast League Premier, Coast League Gold, whatever you, you could say. It doesn't make a difference to us as long as the player we feel, and I know this because I've talked a lot, Carl worked in the college game as well, uh, it's, it's just not true. We want to find good players wherever they are. So it's kind of become this vacuum of saying, well, if you want to play in college, you have to play for the academy. And if you want to play in college, you have to play for an, off on the girls' side, play for, on an elite level ECNL team. Like that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. But what's interesting is that me working in that me working in that in that world, that just couldn't be further from the truth. Like we'll go anywhere. College coaches will go anywhere to find talent. Like if they feel like that particular player is good enough, you know, there's a lot of academy kids that don't even get to go and play in college because either they don't have the grades or they're flat, they're flat out not good enough for whatever school they're looking into going to. So it's kind of an interesting interesting myth that gets thrown around a lot is like you have to be part of these elite circuits or you're not going to be able to progress after you leave home or after you graduate high school and it's it's a lie it's it's a lie i mean you can play academy and go to college you can play flight one's sc to sell and go to college and play and have a good experience so it's just about uh, educating the parents as best that we can yeah my advice to the to parents out there would be if you are thinking of leaving your team is to do your homework on who you're going to right um and it's not about what badge your kid has on his shirt, it's about the quality of the coaching he's getting. So if your kid is in, a, in let's say, a club like CFA, Sand and Surf, on a high-level team, but the main thing is, what it, have you got a quality coach right, that's really going to develop your kid? You know? And that's what, that's what we provide. I know you guys have quality coaches as well, you know, but make sure that your kid is always getting the best coaching possible. Mm-hmm. And it might not necessarily be at one of the big clubs. And the thing is, because of the situation, it forces us, because of our situation of what we are in, in Orange County and San Clemente and what, what you guys have up here, is that for you to hold on to your players, you have got to be improving as a coach. You've got to be getting better every day as a coach. Your sessions have to be on point. You've got to be on point. You've got to present yourself well. You've got to just be a person that is trying to improve all the time. If you're not that way, you will not – you can't you can't use any other tool besides who you are as a coach and maybe how the club is streamlined with the certain programs that they have as a as a point to be like this is why you should be here like if you go anywhere else you know you may not get as good as coaching you might be a part of a bigger organization and that's good and all for other situations but if at the end of the day it's a your your child or the kid that's there is going to have a relationship with the coach it's not necessarily the circuit that's going to make the kid better if the coach can't explain or teach the player in a way that's going to help them in that circuit, like it won't make a difference. Like you could throw a kid out in a, it's like throwing a kid out into the deep end and saying, Hey, swim. Cause it's a 10 feet deep pool and they've never been taught how to swim before. And like, it's up to you as a teacher. Cause that's what we are. Educators is we've got to teach them how to play the game in a way that allows them to be successful in any circumstance. That's actually, you know, I could play both sides and say that I think there's kids out there that, should seek levels and when I say that I mean uh, I think too many people actually seek the level to define their level in terms of like you guys said the pre-academy right or whatever it is I would say there's kids out there at clubs that probably do need to be at some of those levels because they need to be with higher level competition playing against competition but I think it's too many times it's fueled on the other foot of people are trying to just define their kid's level by getting in. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think the, like, that's where, for us, 
if there's a chance for a kid to get on a higher level team, right? And, you know, we, we respect that group and it's going to be good for them. We might push them on, yeah. you know. Yeah, we've, and, said, and, we've, yeah, we've yeah, said the same. You know? we've said the same exact we've thing. We push players to academy, you know, to ECNL, all everything along the way. Even if we had a kid like in a, you know, if we had an age group that didn't have a top level like flight two, and they've came to us and said, "Look, we've had this opportunity," you know, even then, that that's a scenario where the kid is seeking that level yeah. that he needs to progress in. But I think there's. Less of those instances and more of how do I get on a if I, if yeah. they're on a flight three team they're trying to get on a flight two team if yeah. they're on a flight two team they're trying to get on a flight one team if they're yeah. on a flight one team they're trying to get on a pre academy two yeah. team which what does that mean and so you know it's it's just interesting the the latter but it's yeah. it seems like most of your issues just come from is it losing players yeah. pretty losing much player, but that would yeah. be your what about as a coach. Just quickly, any what's give us an issue you've had recently, even like something that you hate or something that's annoyed you or made uh, you angry. The, the rain and the field situations, like come on, we want some dirt. Come on. <laughs> Not it's not all sunny in San Clemente yeah, all the time. Not. It is. It's a little surf town, buddy. Yeah. Do you not know Dallas's nickname? Hollywood. Ho- it's Hollywood Dallas. Yeah, Hollywood, yeah. I even got dressed up for this. <laughs> you'll see that I later. thought there was a camera. Hey, you'll see that later. Yeah. This might be a good time to plug our suit sponsor with the one Dallas. Yeah. Have you been to the Black Tux? Yes. <laughs> But so you have to describe how I look in the tux because there's no camera. Sleek. Moves like a panther. Do we get an extra 10 cents every time we mention it? <laughs> I reckon so, actually. Uh, there we go. <laughs> I think, I think, like I said, like the big challenges like recently have just been you, the, the tryout season that's going on right now in terms of, you know, oof, I know, right? The, you know, you, uh, you're trying to prepare for National Cup or State Cup and then you've got six or seven kids that are looking to try out somewhere else and, you know, you, that's, a, that's a hard thing to deal with. But it, I think if you've built a, within your own individual team, if you've built a good environment and a good culture, like, you know, generally speaking, parents will be be pretty happy, and the players will be pretty happy. And if you're competing at flight one level, or you're competing in those in those levels, then people are generally happy. But it's just about, I think, when the tryout season comes along for for you know a, a club that's not uh, doesn't have those big circuits uh, to deal with, we uh, we don't you know we don't get we we lose players a lot to those types of clubs because or just to go trout those types of clubs because of, because of it what's fueled by that's like if i can just get on this this team this means my kid is good obviously it means my kid is a good player and uh and maybe the player feels the same way so and then even on that other point like if we're not if our coaches feel or maybe some certain coaches feel like oh i'm not getting a, a certain amount of players out that are going to really change my team to make it like take it to that next level to maybe like maybe you know your low level flight one team to a high level flight one team you're like well we got to do trials because i got to find better players but i've always and it's a constant battle where yes i understand you want to try to find better players but at the same time like what are you doing as a coach to improve yourself like we don't have trials for coaches we don't do like 
oh, this coach that had a bad year, let's run a tryout for coaches and find better coaches. Oh, we're all, we're, yeah, right? <laughs> we were thinking about more of a Hunger Games thing, kind of like a fight <laughs> for the death, you know? Um, so it's, it's important that, it, like I said, the coaching is very, very important. We want to improve as coaches so you can improve the players that maybe when they come to you, they aren't superstars, but then after two or three years, they are. And you're like, it's a good feeling to see that. And it's great to be a part of that as a coach to see that process happen, so... Not a lot of dirt, but... No. What, was, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> that, that has just been well, a little hey, We'll move on. It's professional today. Well, it's, let's move. Let's move we'll on. Get, we'll get more out of him. We've got to get this ad going. We've got to get this ad going for that. Have you been to the Black Tuck <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're heading to part two. Good part one. I think we know everything about CFA San Clemente now, so hopefully we'll get a few scouting reports as well. See what we can get. But heading into part two, guys. Speak soon. All right, guys, welcome back to part two of the Upper 90 podcast this week. Uh, part two, going to go straight into thoughts on franchise clubs or mergers. You know, with so many clubs, so much competition in the Southern California region, there are a lot of clubs who are now maybe joining together, a lot of new clubs popping up. You know, it is youth soccer, but it's also a business in a lot of respects. So lots of movement going on. Um, seeing as we have you guys as guests this weekend, we're going to spin it on you and put you on, in the spotlight. Um, so what are your immediate thoughts? Let's maybe go more on the side of franchise clubs, you know, affiliations with professional clubs, you know, youth teams. What are your like immediate thoughts on that? Is that something that you're a fan of, something you think is overrated or, you know, just your immediate thoughts? Um Feel free to put a little bit of spice on the answers. Give give the fans what they want. Carl's Carl's looking at us nodding, little throat thing like, (laughs) it better be good. (laughs) Uh, What I don't understand about the affiliation, and maybe it's because I don't really, I'm not in the inner workings, is like, I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know what, uh, just because a particular club, you know, joins a certain affiliation what what happens like in our in our area west coast football club which had been in man mission viejo for years like massive massive club club. very good good teams had the tournament. The tournament the was they won. Everyone, it was like the West Coast. Yeah, tournament yep. Tournament. Was the tournament? If you were, if exactly the West Coast Classic, it was, was the, the go-to was tournament the, in, August. in August. Yeah, and uh, you know their boys teams, like a lot of Division One players coming from those youth teams. They didn't have academy, still put you know pumping out great players. Their girls teams on the ECNL side were doing very very well, and and then uh, uh, you know the community, especially in our in our area, was was shocked that they decided that you know to to go with surf. You know, Surf, I had heard a couple times, was always trying to get up into the Orange County area and had been reaching out and kind of putting out feelers. And so when it happened to be West Coast, you know, West Coast didn't have like an identity problem. West Coast wasn't struggling. So it was an interesting thing. I don't know if it was financially fueled or if it was, uh, you know, maybe, who knows. But they did, it wasn't like they were hurting for anything. So what I can't understand is in, that, in, in a particular merger like that, for instance, what was the overall benefit for the players itself? How long ago was that merger? When did that take place? It was like eight, twelve, um, a year ago, I think. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was close. So I can't it figure. Was I, at the I, end. I, I it was tell, at the end of the SL season, wasn't it? I'll tell no. you probably did why. They, they, they played as West Coast last year, or played no, OC the, Surf. OC Surf. Yeah, um, it was a year. I yeah. think it's probably just over a year now. Yeah. So, okay. I had this conversation actually a couple of nights ago with one of my good friends who works for Surf, and Surf are actually now trying to expand even more. What they said to West Coast was this whole Man City connection that Surf have, 
they're going to come in and give Man City curriculum all these benefits of being partnered with Surf, you know, partnered with Man City, <clears throat> college programs, all this kind of stuff rolled into it. I'll say one thing. I've seen a lot of OC Surf teams play, and Surf teams play, they don't play like Man City. So the right. curriculum clearly isn't that good. There's, Ooh, one, there's, there's one team in the world who plays like Man City, and that's Man City. <laughs> that's Man City. Your kids will play just like Pep's boys. I don't think so. Well, I'm an Arab owner with $500 billion. They've, uh, into the team. they've been. On. Did they not make that partnership when Pellegrini was the coach? So Yeah, was it? Were they, were they, were they, they got to play Pellegrini, so it's in the contract. <laughs> but I, I know that. I know that West West Ham. Now it's West Ham. Wherever <laughs> <laughs> Pellegrini goes, they're like, can't we got we, we signed a contract yeah. with Pellegrini. Roll it, it up to Big Andy Cowell. <laughs> <laughs> roll, roll it out to the right back. Switch. Well, you guys, you know, are the Southampton, so. You, were you in close talks with Mark Hughes? Uh, yeah, oh we have that secret black box. <laughs> yeah, no one's allowed in to see how we do our player scouting analytics or anything. What about Andy? What are you like being director? You know, and like you know, you're involved with CFA, who has a few different areas. Like, what is your thoughts on the big, the big franchise mergers? It's uh, the way everyone's going at the moment. Uh, everybody seems to be jumping on you know, one of the Galaxy bandwagons or the Surf bandwagons, kind of and using it as a as a recruiting tool, um, over concentrating on the player development side of it. Um there's obviously some positives that maybe come out of it. Good curriculums. Oh, you also get entry into Surf Cup. You get entry into Surf Cup. That's a big one. <laughs> but don't you get entry anyway if your team's good enough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the connections, Andy, all right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, can we just quick, just quickly, Andy, can we... Sam, was there not some news about Surf Cup changing affiliations? Didn't you mention that in a oh, group text I, message the other day? That can't, that can't, that can't oh, be that's, that's, yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, lad, eh? Yeah, yeah. Put him in a tough spot there. Yeah. You can't share it with us. No. It might Offline. help us. Offline. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, folks. Look forward to this information. Anyway, back to you, Andy. Andy, Andy, what were you saying about yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I'm not... We're a small club and we like what we do. The, you know, some people go and do the franchise thing. If they're doing it for the right reasons, good for them. I don't know if the majority of clubs do it for the right reasons and they just use it as a recruitment tool. And, you know, are we going to eventually see people break away and do the smaller clubs again? Yes, that's what I think. I think we're just going through a cycle and it'll eventually go back to the, the smaller clubs like Sand and Surf, ourselves, <coughs> that, you know, good local clubs all about player development. It's interesting and you can see kind of how this switch is happening where now even, now even the MLS academies want to get out of the DA and do their own thing because the, the level of competition is like, you know, so now they're, they're all pooling like the U19s at the, at the MLS Academy level only play U19 MLS academies. That's like, and I'm sure it's going to be down to the pipeline, whether it's next year in a couple of years where it's going to be just MLS academies, or maybe like if you're a USL team that has an academy, maybe it's the professional team academies will play against themselves. Because I mean, if you go through some of these, Results and I mean certain teams that are giving up like ninety goals in thirty games or how many games they play. I was looking at some of the uh, uh, standings and the results from the girls' DA side, and you know, there's a one of the teams in our area. I think it was I don't know if it was Surf. I can't remember which age level they they had played twelve games or something like that, and they'd already given up thirty goals. And I'm just like, 
what are we? I'm not. I, I'm not saying that's the indication of like, wow, they're giving goals. But if you're talking about like, this is the elite level of stuff, they shouldn't be giving up 35, 36 goals in half their season. I don't think that's. A, I don't think that's a, in that amount of games. I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. But I mean, that happens that on across the country in certain different types of academies, and so. Again, does the affiliation help them? Does the affiliation help? I mean, no one really knows because, again, we're not in the meetings. We're not, we don't know what's going on. But I can tell you this. None of the coaches change. So the coaches that were there before, the coaches stayed the same. So, like, did the coaches magically get better when they were, start wearing a surf badge or, uh, you know, whatever club it is, you know, uh, that badge? When that badge comes on, they're like, wow, we're we're magically better. We got we got better just by wearing a shirt. And so it's it's an interesting <laughs> – it's it's kind of an interesting thing, but again, I don't. We're not in those things, but I I know that the coaches don't change. So I mean, the training sessions don't change, and I don't care what curriculum you're getting. Some of the results aren't showing that the curriculum is helping. And if you look at some of the players in terms of going into college, you know they're like, hey, we're we're sending all these kids to college. We're looking at we're we're getting to college. You know, like maybe that's a better indicator that the curriculum's working, or maybe that's a better indicator. But I don't know. I'll tell you what does change: egos. No. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> I'll jump in on the franchise part. Two parts, right? For surf, it's brilliant for them. Oh, it's a great money maker, right? I think for the whatever club it is, that smaller club that are making that jump to be, you know, whatever it is, surf Yorba Linda or Patty Adores, I think personally for the guys that are making that deal, they're lazy, they lack vision, and they probably shouldn't be directors of organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, they've got a job, they've got a club, and it's their job to implement a curriculum, right? You know, if that's what you are, a true coach starting out, which most directors are, and then you take that manager role, I think they're basically looking and out of actually putting in the hard work that it takes, you know. Uh, I, I built a curriculum which took over a year of work behind the scenes, uh, you know, I built a structure as well. And a club that would be very similar to us and a guy who gives us a lot of preps and we do too is uh, Tudel FC, the girls club. You can clearly see they have like a methodology and yeah. a way of playing and a style and I know he's been approached by many organizations of being, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And why? It's working for him. But because he put the hard work in, yeah. he's put a structure in. And I think most of the time, you know, it goes back to, I think these directors are lazy. They're not willing to get in the trenches. They're not willing to develop their coaches. They're not willing to put a curriculum together. They're n- Maybe they don't even know how to do that either. That That's the other thing. And they're they're happy enough to you know get Chelsea's curriculum, which we all know is or whatever Constantly it is. Changing. <laughs> but but I think uh, just like the managers. <laughs> and then the, and works. then the final piece is it's just recruitment. Like it, yeah. they get the, you know they think when they get that name they get recruitment. You know and like there's a club I don't know if you guys know them. You remember SCV Magic Green Club. Sounds like a basketball team. They're they're based right beside Real SoCal, Santa Clarita Valley. Uh, Good little club, small club. Always seem to have like 
decent level teams, and then they changed the Real SoCal SGV, yeah. uh, or whatever it is, and uh, it's just, I asked the director, I was like, why did you guys do that? And his answer was, because Real SoCal were recruiting our players. But I, I, re- I kind of replied to him and said, well, look, Real SoCal have a development academy and probably do have higher level teams than yours. So your kids are going to still leave anyways. Yeah. So why not develop the, yeah. the, the, the other kids yeah, in the area, point. the rec kids? Yeah. There's, there's plenty of rec kids out there that we all know have, have overtaken the kids on flight one teams at times. Yeah. So I think it's just a ploy on that. I, I do personally think it's lazy sometimes on the coaches, on the clubs that do make the merge. Yeah. And I think like, like any franchisee, it's like, you know, Starbucks are still going to throw up as many as they can. Yeah. You know, it's a great money maker, yeah. and, and if people are willing to do it, why would they stop? Yeah. So there's that Kevin Keegan passion from Carl Dixon there. <laughs> Loved it. I love it. I will love it. I think I think you, uh, up a good point, but a lot of it also comes down. If you even dive down deeper into like what's going on in this country, is you know we're not a. Yeah, we have a lot of you know people that watch the game and stuff, but not have necessarily growing up playing. So you have parents who, who think that this is the a better pathway to go. So for instance, with Real SoCal, that that merger happening there, maybe he's saying, well, like parent parents like, well, that's Real SoCal, so clearly it's better. But if you actually have like knowledge, like when I have kids and I don't, I won't be fooled by any of that stuff because I actually grown up around the game my entire life and grown up in, in in that in that culture of the game my entire life. We don't have enough of that yet. We don't. We still don't. We don't have enough. I got an email from a, a parent once saying that they were going to leave the club because the Here other club, go. the other Here club, the other club was a you know just a bigger thing. It was like it's just a bigger program, a bigger thing. Like not, we don't know if the we don't know the quality of the coach or anything. It's just bigger. That's all they were saying. And I was and it was interesting because I was like, well. That's kind of, a, I feel like, you know, a red flag to me if that's all you can say is that. And we had another one where we had a coach that's been trying to, you know, reach out to our players for a number of years and take our players. And they're like, you got to leave. And I, they, the parents show me these text messages like, you've got to leave CFA because they'll never get the college exposure that you would at this at the club that I'm at. And it, And it's interesting because... His selling point wasn't, I'm a good coach. I'm going to help your kids get better. I'm going to help them keep passion for the game I'm going to help and I'll help them in that college way as well it was if you come here you'll get more exposure because of just what this place is that to any parent should be if a coach tells you that that is a huge red flag you need to go away from that coach I'm not saying the club that they're with is bad but whatever if that coach is saying that it's not a good it's not a good indication love your emphasis on coaches yeah it's just all about the coaches. It's all about coaches. It's all about the coaches. It, I mean, it is though, but it's back to my point. Like, if you're a true, like, <clears throat> let's look at it at the highest level, right? If you're a true aspiring coach, right? You're not looking to come in and steal someone else's methodology and curriculum to make you bigger and better. You're looking to implement your own kind of style and put the work in. And these clubs that make these partnerships, the DOCs aren't putting that working they're just taking an easy way out taking the brand and throwing that out there and and look you guys know how many real coaching curriculums are out there how many you know 
the OCs are overseeing it and even helping the coaches, mm. you know, so. I mean, uh, just look, you know, going to a bigger club is not always the guarantee, right? I mean, just because you're a big club doesn't mean you're going to be better than everybody else. I mean, look at Manchester no United, guarantee. right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Oh, that's debatable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that part. So. <laughs> I, I've got to get it in early because I'm going to get hammered in part three, so. No, but yeah, definitely not I think it stands as well to part two, Dan. What we were just talking about. Yeah, well, just real quick before we do that, what about just quickly touch on what about clubs merging because that's obviously another thing that's happening quite a lot of two clubs coming together to maybe create one big club one super club or just those little clubs joining those bigger clubs yeah yeah when when you get a few little clubs that are maybe in a very similar geographic area i think it makes sense because that then means you can kind of build stronger teams and all the kids can find a level that's suited for them and what I mean by that is you might have three small clubs in a similar area they all might have a flight one flight two and flight three teams but in each team on that flight one team you might have some flight two players that have to play flight one because the club doesn't have enough players to really feel the flight one team and that trickles down so in those type of situations where you can kind of you're all close by you know kids are not having to move and travel much further when the when the merger happens I think it makes sense just to confirm there will not be a CFA Santa Surf <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we are happen. in the geographical area <laughs> yeah. no way the drive too big yeah. we it drive took two hours <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah gotta go kids go down to the training at San Clemente the four or five is bad enough as it <laughs> oh is oh my gosh oh no alright so yeah great uh, stemming into part two part two um, player development versus recruitment so We'll touch maybe on both clubs, but seeing as we have you guys here again, you know, what is your emphasis on player development versus recruitment? Are you more, by the sounds of it, you're more of a development-based club rather than poaching and taking away. So, you know, what are your kind of, what's your methodology? What is your approach to that? Are you more promote from within? You know, is your emphasis more on, you know? Well, if we can find the players within the, the recreational you know the teams that we have that can that we can identify and move into the club then we will most surely do that because either we've seen those kids at our camps at our summer camps so we know who they are already you know the parents you know understand the organization a little bit more so that's that always bodes well um in terms of player development i feel like like i said before we we have to be a player development club we have to understand who we are and where where we are in our community and uh, if you can kind of wear that as a badge of honor instead of being like, yeah, we may not get the best players at tryouts, but we are cre- making them better players, like, you know, legitimate players. I've had my, I've had one team now, my 04 girls since 2012, and they were a six on six little winter league team that we had put together. And now they're, you know, a flight one team. And, you know, they, we have lots of, you know, tons of great players that are, that have stayed with us within the club and have been developed and, and pushed forward that way. So I feel like, I understand why, like, if a, if a good player comes along and be like, hey, I want to join the club, it's like, oh, yeah, great, that's, that's fantastic. But mm. at the end of the day, like, we're not going to get 20 of those types of players coming out because if you think about it, a, a, a kid that's playing flight one somewhere and is a starter isn't going to leave that club unless there's some sort of falling out with the coach or maybe some, uh, you know, the parents don't like the, the, the team that it is that, that they're on. And so he or she's going to be moving around. So, like, there's only... There's only a certain amount of players that are going to be moving clubs at a certain age. It happens a lot at the younger age, I feel like, than at the older age. You just don't see it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think 
when CFA kind of first started, we were, you know, player development was a really big tool through our tryout process. Um, and as time's gone on, you know, the recruitment side of it has increased as well. You know, we do, we develop our players and we develop our teams who are all aspiring to get to the next level. You know, our teams promote through the flights, but at the same time, we need, we do recruit to make those teams better at the same time. Um, but once a kid is within our club, we're all about his player development. And that's one of the reasons why our recruitment is a lot of the time is done by our parents for us um, because they've seen the progression of their kids, mm. you know, and that, that spreads through word of mouth in the community and then more and players come to our tryouts, you know. Um, we don't force our coaches to go out and recruit, you know, sit on an AYSO field and pick out all the best players or go to a, go to another club game and sit on sidelines like we do know some clubs do and start, you know, touting the parents and whatnot about coming out and stuff like that. We do allow our coaches' ability to recruit, you know, and it's a lot by word of mouth. Um, you know, recruitment's huge in this area, though, like, and it gets frustrating even when we've had teams come and scrimmage us and then you, you leave and then you've got that coach in the car park talking to your players, you know, like, come on, mate, we've invited you down for a, a scrimmage and you're out here trying to recruit our players. You know, and the only reason you're recruiting our players is because we've developed them. You know, so you know. it's it's interesting. You said like recruitment's big in this. I think it's huge in the U.S. and it's a byproduct of a lot of U.S. sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there is an obsession about recruitment. Where there, where in our sport, there should be an obsession about coaching. Yeah. And I would probably Dallas, you could probably speak about this. I obviously coached in college. Uh, the college that I coached at, we just recruited 28-year-old Europeans to, to, and we, to win trophies. Yeah. So, uh, but in the college game, a lot of it is actually about recruitment. Yeah. You know, you're working with older players that are pretty much, you know, they're, they're defined. You're just adding tweaks here and there. But it's a lot of it's about recruitment. And I think too much of that flows into the youth game here. Yeah. Coaches are too you know, one track mind about recruitment instead of develop the kids you have. Yeah. Develop the seventh kid yeah. on your team exactly. and stop worrying about recruiting yeah. one kid yeah. to define your season or whether it's one or three. So we are, like, I am huge about that behind the scenes of progression within the levels. I, I do think most of the time when your clubs like us, you'll get the runaround as well if you're trying to recruit that player exactly. so it, to me it's it's a waste of time where you could be as a coach developing your skill and setting up a session that hopefully affects number 10 11 12 yeah, you know i, I think i think out isn't, here isn't there a problem here that there's coaches that are recruiters not coaches yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're glorified manager, like yeah. Premier League manager, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like, but working in the youth system where it should be an obsession about coaching, it's like, how do we get that kid? Although we would love him, it's like, well, we got Johnny here, who's been in our program two years. He loves the club. His parents are great. He lives in the area. Let's just develop him more. Exactly. You know, we, you know, exactly. and, and there's not a lot of people, I think, that have that. Again, I'll probably throw out, what, 80% to 20%, and yeah. the 20% are actual people with the mindset of, 
I'm just going to develop what I have. And but you have to recruit to win State Cup, right? I don't know, I've never won State Cup. <laughs> I won State Cup in 2014 with the U17s, President's Division, and it was a. They had, that team. That is it. There it is. And, and, and the podcast is now over. We can all go home. No. Uh, By the way, Dallas did bring his trophy. <laughs> I bring it with me everywhere I go. He just sits in a car. We'll upload the photo. But what's interesting is that team that had won had stayed together for, I mean, their entire their entire youth career. They were a recreation team that went signature that joined uh, uh, that joined the club that moved into the club area and they had stayed together for their entire life. And seven of them went on to go and play in college. We had one go and play Division One, one go to play Division Two, one to play Division Three. Uh, some JUCO kids, some NAIA kids. So it it that was a team that just stayed together and developed and developed and developed that just that kept their core together, enjoyed the game, enjoyed playing together. And everyone was saying like, well, they, they could have challenged themselves at higher levels. Well, as a coach, you can manipulate that environment by saying, well, we're going to do this particular tournament at this particular level of that tournament. And so that that is the environment that you can that little uh, uh, that wrinkle you can put into that into their into their season, saying, "Look, yeah, we might, we might be playing Coast League Premier, and that's the high, that's a that, that's a very good level. But we're also going to go and do Surf Cup, and we're going to play at the highest level in Surf Cup. Uh, Surf Cup. So you're you're still exposing them to the higher levels of the game or high, a higher circuit while maintaining the core group together instead of breaking everybody off." Congrats on that state cup. It was 2014. <laughs> I just want to share it. <laughs> so you're that coach in the parking lot with the trophy recruiting kids. Have you ever seen a see. trophy this size? And we had, and we even got to the regional final, so it was it was a good year. Hey, for and team? I got buried that year. Hey. So. Success on and off the field. Hey, look at this <laughs> hey, best year of his life. Best year. Of my and life. not because he got married. <laughs> 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 Brilliant. Uh, well, little, little insight into maybe Dallas's ego there, but. We're only kidding, we love it. But no, heading into. Driver. Just wanted to use that as a little, as a nice transition into the, part, the third part of part two, which is egos in coaching. Um, we used Dallas as a sco- scapegoat there, but we're only playing. <laughs> we're just trying to get him to be a little bit more controversial, so maybe we'll get something out of him now. But uh, no, so egos in coaching, you know, it's obvious with the trophies, the development, the recruitment, the levels that people play at, the tournaments. There's so much emotion, money, time invested in youth soccer here, especially in Southern California, that. There are a few egos flying around. We probably have some some in these in this room. Well, I know we do. Um, and uh, you know, it's obvious it happens. Anybody that maybe denies that they have an ego definitely has an ego. Um, so, kind of want to get into that. Your experiences of people who have egos. Maybe you could be honest enough to say that you know you may have an ego yourself and why you have that. But they are you don't have existing. an ego if you admit you have an ego. Then that's the real thing. Yeah. Oh. So. Uh, Sam, let's get you back involved, buddy. Egos and coaching. Uh, maybe you can go into a little more sideline behaviour, things that you've seen at tournaments, self-promotion <clears throat> think, uh, from coaches. I think we have to give you a bit of credit for coming up to these topics because they kind of all flow into each other this yeah, week. Well, well done. Hey, I think this is the first time as host 
he's actually done his job. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's definitely he, the first week I've got some credit for putting this out there. He's sweating after we we uh, put an application out for. I know. Look, there's no, a reason why yeah. Dallas so, came and Andy came. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I think Sarah's panicking. Dallas' ego though is just too much. He's, he's looking at Sarah's panicking. He's looking at my laptop and seeing an email from ESPN about him over there to host. Go on, Sam. We'll get you back on it. We'll save the praise for me for later. Yeah, I think uh, when when we do see coaches with egos, I think part of it, it comes from the those are the coaches who do all the recruiting and they try and get all the best players and they try and go and win state cup. And it is basically just to feed feed their own ego. You know, they they go home at night and they've they've won a trophy and it's about them and they're not really interested in developing the kids. And I think we see it way too much. I think we could all go to the field. Well, we're all going to be at the field this weekend and we'll be able to point out within five minutes the coaches that have got an ego, coaches that don't. And you can usually tell that those like couple of minutes before you kick off a game, you're done with your warm-up, the referee's checked everyone in. You're starting lineups on the pitch and you look over to the other coach and you go to shake his hand and, you know, good yeah. luck and, you know, where you're from and now's your team and you're getting off in. And when you do go over and shake hands, it's literally just a cold handshake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good luck, coach, and, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the ones who are kind of too into it. And the reason they're too into it is because like they've got to get the win. Got they've got to win the trophy. Got to get the dub. Yeah, <laughs> they've got to get the got soccer points. <laughs> Something we God talked about last week. Now. We talked God about that last soccer. week. We did. God soccer. There's points. a few parents who listen who do sit in the car ride to Norco and just get on the got soccer. No, they're ranked this. We're ranked. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I actually had it recently with my O six and going to stay up this weekend. Apparently, we're playing a very top got soccer ranked team. So oh. that should be should be interesting. Uh, Andy, as club director, maybe you see more than many few egos in the meetings that you've been in or even on the sidelines coaching at the... Yeah, uh, there's certainly a lot of egos out there, kind of what Sam was touching on, you know, those coaches that are just all about the win, you know, and you see them even taking home the trophy on their own after the game. (laughs) Right, come on, mate, are you putting that on your mantelpiece? Um, There's... You know, but then at the same time, there is a lot of good guys out there as well. Uh, a few of them sat around this table that, you know, are there for the right reasons. You know, and I think the guys who are there for the wrong reasons, either the paycheck, because uh, obviously the pay-to-play model, right, are there to put some wins on their CV for themselves. You know, they're in it for the wrong reasons, for definite. Um, you know, me personally, you know, I go into the game. Uh, I like to have a bit of banter with the other coach. Before the game, during the game, even after the game, and you know, even have you know a little bit of fun with the kids along the way during the game as well. I think it that leads to their best development. Um, but there's certainly some guys out there who are treating it like they're coaching within the EPL, and you know that's not right for the young kids, really. Yeah, false, false potential, false hope. I think it's something that I, uh, as I've grown as a coach, is just kind of recognize the environment that I'm in. I'm not an EPL coach. My players aren't a part of an EPL team or an MLS team or Bundesliga or whatever. And, uh, you know, once you know that know the environment that you're in, and I, I know I mentioned this to Carl and I mentioned to Andy a lot, and we've said it here, it's like we're just in the trenches, man. We're on the freaking front lines, and there is no room for and anyone that brings their ego into this situation where they're like, well, I've done this, and look what I've done this, and I'm on this, and my players do this thing and this. they like... Honestly, they they are in it for themselves. They feel like they're 
the general of all the foot soldiers and it's just uh it's not appropriate it it it, it it's it doesn't uh it doesn't link us together as coaches it doesn't it doesn't link regardless of what club you are the 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 culture of this game in in our nation in our country where you know I'm not pep and I've seen a lot of coaches on the youth level who think that they are who who act like that or even even worse they try to they try to implement philosophies or ways of playing that their particular kids you know aren't able to do because of maybe how they're developing or 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 their age level and so you and then that coach gets gets upset because you know they lose and and he's upset because he's trying to do something that the kids aren't able to do or able to to execute at a level that he or she deems is appropriate or or good enough and so you you end up hurting the the, the confidence of the child you end up hurting the and you end up looking especially as coaches on the outside when we see that you know it doesn't look good for you so again recognize that you know recognition of who you are and what your club is and and everything and even on I don't care if you're part of a DA or an ECNL, like it's still the front lines. Like until you sign that contract, uh, Manchester United, you know, EPL contract or anywhere like those contracts, you are on the front lines. I don't care what it is, the front lines of development. And we don't need to, you don't need to throw your ego around or like, oh, look, I coach for this particular club. Like I don't care at all. Like I want to, I want to watch your sessions. I want to see how your kids are developing. I want to watch how your players are developing. I want to talk to the parents and say like, is he a good coach or is she a good coach? And you know, that's important to me. And so yeah, the ego is definitely a harmful thing. So if you're thinking about reaching out to be a club soccer coach, definitely meet Dallas before and he can give you the lowdown on how far in the trenches (laughs) we are as coaches. He knows it. He has it all. I have the gray hairs to prove it. Well, not yet, but, so I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. here and I would like to get a debate going, right? Because I've got my own theory. Personally, being a sports person, I think an ego is actually needed. And it can be portrayed in two ways. So for me, like I'll just give you a funny example, right? I'm getting ready to go out with dinner with my wife. And I'm, I look in the mirror and I go, geez, I look good tonight. And she, and she laughs and she'll be like, you love yourself. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not doing any harm to anyone else. And it's an air of confidence. And I think you need an ego in sports and business and to be successful at some point. Like, it's, it's about confidence. You know, if, if I'm a coach and I'm going to a game at the weekend, I'm saying to my kids, you're going to be successful today, right? Does that mean that, you know... And be an, e- an egotistical coach and think we're the best? Or am I trying to pump them up and make them feel good? So I think it can be portrayed both ways. Like, Dallas, you play at a pretty high level, you know? Did you feel like you, when you were walking out on the pitch that you were better than other players? Of course you did. You won I mean, the best yeah, player. Were you the best player in the trench? I was the best player in the trenches, no. But <laughs> no, but Jason yeah, is the best player when he joins in. Yeah. <laughs> but you would have ah, to have that. Yeah. You wouldn't compete in sport if you didn't think you could win, right? And you, you need that. Like I, I, I think you need that side of it. Like You look at the highest level coaches and you've seen egos work and not work. Jose Mourinho... His ego pushed it to a side of it got very negative to where initially his ego really helped him yeah. in the early days. He, he was confident, you know, it 
breeded in the teams and then his ego flopped the other way. Mm-hmm. Alex Ferguson, the, the most renowned coach that everybody says, you know, he'd give up time of his day to help people, but did he have an ego behind the scenes? Of course he did. He, he would have knew that he was the best and wanted his team to be the best. I think it can help and then I think it can hurt. And I think people that push out there and go, I don't have an ego. I actually think they actually have, have, a, have a huge ego and they're affecting people in a negative way. But to counter that other the point you make is we got to understand where we are. I understand where that's we're talk, what's working at the absolute, the highest point of that, of that level because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with players who are making a certain amount of money that's you know, astronomical and you've got to, you're dealing with a bunch of alphas. I don't care what it is, whether it's in the NWSL, uh, the women's national team, UCLA, uh, I mean, MLS, like it doesn't matter. You're dealing with the, the highest level of players who I agree, who have confidence themselves, who can build. We're talking about kids who are learning the game or just now progressing and finding their way and their own identity within it. Your own ego, your, your, I agree. You want to you want to present your particular product in, in a way that is uh, that shows that there's progression. But if I go tell my players like you need to win today, I'm already setting them up to fail unless I can say it in a way or present it in a way and say, look. We may win, we may lose, but there's going to be successes today that we're going to focus on. And if we do this, this, and this, it's going to be a positive day, win or lose. Then then the kid, that's a real teaching environment where the child's like, I'm not afraid to make a mistake because even the result, yes, we may lose the game, but even the result is an indicative to what I'm experiencing or what I'm learning. And if we win, the kid also knows not to get too high. Like, wow, we won. We must be, we must be, I must be a great player or I must be really good. Or, and the coach needs to be on that same way as saying like, I need to take positives I need to take winning or wins from every situation. And I think that then you can kind of almost feed your ego in a way of saying, in a healthy way of saying, wow, like they're developing so well. Our sessions are really linking together. Like let's continue going this direction. At the highest level of the game, I completely agree when it's like. But it, it, it flows down, right? Yeah. Here's the example. I'd probably say about six years ago, I can't even remember it distinctively in this club with certain coaches. There was a whole demeanor about sit on the sideline, let the kids play, don't talk, Ugh. right? They, like, and that stemmed from what was happening in the professional game. Like I've given the example a few times, Avram Grant, giving it the Avram Grant. Chelsea he, legend. He, he, he sat in the stands with the notepad, yeah. you know, like that. And then now what you're seeing is, you're seeing managers on the sideline, passionate, energy, and it's working, right? Yeah. And I think that's where ego can be pushed into the game and help it. That side of confidence and that that side of inspiring people. I like think, I think you actually as a coach need to have a certain ego in sports to help push you on to be successful, which will then be a byproduct of making, even if it's six-year-old girls, feel good about themselves. No, I agree. I feel like the, the, the sincerity that you feel for helping an individual get better, that is the biggest self-confidence for me. Like watching a player improve and get better and get better and see them achieve success, whether, I don't know what it is, it could be the most micro success or the biggest success, that for me as a coach does feed my own self-confidence because I've witnessed that. I've been a part of that. 
and helped them in some sort of way. I may have not done all the work, but I've definitely helped them along the way. That's a huge boost in your own. As a coach, that's why I love coaching is because watching others succeed and, and not only that, building relationships with those kids and that when they do grow and become the players that they are, like I still have kids now today that reach out to me that have graduated, you know, back in 2015 that are like, hey, coach, like I'm, I'm in town. Like, can we get, can we get, you know, lunch? And I'm like, this is fantastic because they, I've, I've been able to be a part of their life and they've affected my own life. So I think egos like, and, and, and that does, like I said, feed your ego, like, but in a way that's really constructive. Yeah, really positive, constructive. I think you said it, positive and sincere. Yeah. And that's the side I think, you know, I would like to say most people listen to this and who know me is you see a sincere side of me and how I talk, right? Whereas, but I would still say very openly, I do have an ego. I like myself, I'm confident, I'm not afraid to agree or disagree. And that's the sincere side of me. Whereas you flip it to the dark side and there's people out there that have these massive egos of negativity and it's flowing into the kids they're working with and the people they're around. But you see that too much in the youth game out here where people's egos get in the way of the kids' development, right? Like they come across all confident, uh, confident in themselves and then suddenly the team starts experience negativity and then their ego takes over and they start screaming at the kids shouting at the kids berating sure. them after the game like that's the gut that's the coach's ego getting in the way of the players yeah 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 I, I just think they're it's just an again it's a, it's an interesting debate it's you know I, I think there's a sincere side, and then there's a very negative side, you know, and... Uh, the line is very thin. Yeah, it, it is. And it's hard to get right, actually, as a coach and a person, you know. I think people are always... And look, we relate everything to professional, right? But it's what we're trying... To, we're trying to take pieces and learn from that. And yeah. I just think you're starting to see in our game now at the highest level, those coaches that are more sincere, confident, ambitious are now being even more successful than yeah. the other side. So that's that's all folks. That's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. Unless anyone wants to Sam, you want to jump in and argue with me? I don't mind ten minute argument. Let's uh throw it out there to the listeners. Which coach at Sand and Surf has the biggest ego? <laughs> Send your answers oh, on a postcard. Oh, 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 oh. We have just opened up a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> The servers are starting to collapse right now. <laughs> oh, whoa, wait, ping, Sam. <laughs> They've already knew, mate, already. Correct. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting one, though. Like, even to think about our club and right now, like, and it, it, again, it's how you define that ego. That's that's what I look at. That's, like, what, that's the big thing, the, the definition. Because everybody's you got know, one, like, right? Like, like you let's said, take like, our last coaches meeting, right? Uh, there was a little debate going on with between two coaches, Kevin Lopez, uh, you know, one of our French coaches. Uh, the guy breathes passion in a game. Like, literally, he is obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like, I, we're into it, but this guy is obsessed. And he, you know, he took over that, a group that Dan coached and he was making a few jiving comments. And it was all fun and related. But again, it was... His confidence was showed that he, you know, he was trying to say what I'm doing now was better than you, but it was in a joking manner. And and I just see that as people might portray that as 
Kevin like eagle taking over, but I just think that's just confidence. And, yeah, and, and in a sincere, fun way. Personally, I think it's Fred Jericho's you know, but whereas, <laughs> whereas, whereas and then Dan's eagle. <laughs> whereas to be honest, we we had it before. Where I'm kidding, Kevin. There, there literally would have been coaches in our organization that thought they're better than people. Uh, you know, I heard comments like this before in the past. Well, you've never coached a silver team. Like, what, what does that mean? You know, this might be people that's never even kicked a ball before. Like, and, and that's the side of the ego that then is yeah. disruptive and wrong in our environment. So, again, it's like... No, I, I think like even, you know, self-reflection in coaching is huge. It's a huge thing to, to look at yourself and point out your weaknesses and, and I you know I for one have done things before where like maybe you know I've I've won a game and I felt really good about what the work that we've done was to the state cup into no you can you can you can get the book that I wrote about it actually <laughs> <laughs> state cup and me but <laughs> <laughs> that was Hollywood <laughs> there's a photo of Dallas in his bed with his <laughs> I've got I've got a turtleneck on and a pipe and the, and the <laughs> <laughs> No, so like I, I, I know that I've you know been guilty of that too, or maybe I've lost a game, but we've lost in a way that the team that we were playing is maybe I feel like not playing a certain way and everything, and I feel like well we do this better, and I, and I we're training our girls better here, and and then when we win, it's also things like yeah clearly we're doing something right, so you really do have to keep yourself in check and just really I want to say take your your own. You can't connect your self-value or your self-worth to results. Like, you, you can't do it. All you have to do as a coach, and I think when the players see that you don't connect how you feel about yourself as, like, you guys have to win this match, otherwise I won't feel good about myself, then I feel like you're really slipping down to, like, really toxic levels. And, and, and the vice versa. You can't say, like, I feel great about myself when we win games. So thanks to my players for doing that. You really have to find the other ways of validation. Um, do your players get along in training? Is the environment good? Are they learning? Are you seeing the, the, the progression happen? Then I feel like your self-validation as a coach or the ego, you could say, becomes healthy. Because yeah. now you can be confident. Yeah, you yeah. may have lost, but, man, like, man, we did this well for 30, 40 minutes of that match. We're, we're doing great. We're, we're on the right track. You know, and if you win a game doing those things that you've been training on, the win doesn't necessarily become, the result doesn't become the thing that you get validation on. It's the way that the, yeah. the, 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 the way that the result came. So the validation becomes for more of a more of, of from the journey, not necessarily just the destination. So that's where, I mean, relating it back to, we say we compare it to professional, but it's now in previous years, it's been all about winning. But now, you know, we've mentioned it previously in this podcast, we've had, we're talking about Man City, and now Pep Guardiola's gone in there, and it's not just about winning, it's about how you win. How you win, yeah. And that's now the new phase in, in soccer, right? It's, it's not just about winning now, it's kind of hey, how you play, how you win. Get Do Sam not... Allardyce back in the Premier League. <laughs> you know, hey, there's, there's hey, results. Three points. Big now, Sam. Three points. Last, last point, but this would be a good one for people listening, and maybe even kids listening. What would you say, what would be your advice to kids about sport and ego any you know we, we've all we're all ex-players from some level in this you know 
what would you would you would there be any advice to kids out there because we're talking about adults now <clears throat> using ego to be sincere or be negative but i would i would say like always be confident always be confident in your own abilities but know the line between like confidence and arrogance and kind of try try not to to cross that line toy with it a little bit tippy toe on it but try not to cross it what is the line Different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it depends yeah. on the moments in sport. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I would probably say that is a great piece of advice. But my my piece that I would throw in would be if people do call you egotistical and try to put you down, it might not always be the case. Yeah. They might be jealous, and they might be lacking confidence themselves. So that that would be my little piece of advice. Anything, Dallas? I think. For me, is uh, if you're a player and like one is just continue to love the game. If you love the game, I think that kind of keeps your ego in check. But also in terms of just like it's a team sport, and if you're only ever worried about yourself um, as a player and you're not helping your teammates get better, I feel like if you can put your teammates first, especially in terms of like being on a, a game that consistently relies on the performances of others for you yourself to be successful is really try to help your own teammates I feel like the more coaches can kind of guide kids to that way and be more of like uh, you know or how are you how can you work together with your teammate to make your you both successful then I feel like it's the ego thing will happen but it won't happen as much and I don't think I think it gets out of the way because then you're teaching kids life lessons about putting others first or looking out for others and I think that's how we can use soccer as the vehicle yeah, a lot of it. Sorry, go ahead, Andy. Go on. Uh, yeah, just on my part of it, I feel confidence obviously is a huge part for a player, but my advice to any kid who was is within our club or plays for me or even plays for another is to not fear failure, right? Because we're going to fail at things and that's okay. As long as we're learning from the failures uh, and it's not affecting us in a negative way, be confident to always try, try new things, embrace new things. Um, you know, and then obviously work hard at the skills you're trying to develop and know that you're going to fail at first, but with hard work, you'll get better and better. So don't fear failure at all. Good one. So you either live, sorry, or you win, or you learn. So you can steal that from Conor McGregor's coach. You <laughs> yeah. wrote a book titled that. Oh, because I read that book, right? Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed you it. Nah, yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't even know his name. You should have cut it. McCarthy doesn't say much when he does. Yeah. Anyway, anything else? <laughs> part two? Anything? Steve, welcome to the pod. We'll get you involved in part three. All right, guys. Good part two. Nice long one for you listeners. We'll get into part three shortly. All right, guys. Final part of the pod this week. Episode two with the guys from CFA San Clemente. Uh, we do have... We had a lot of questions sent in this week, which was great. Thank you for that, guys. We have... Whittled it down to three. Um, we have two excellent questions and one nice, funny one sent in for one for another surprise guest that has entered the room. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, seeing, as, seeing as we had the guys from CFA, there was a question that came in about your club, so we'll go ahead and do that one first. Um, so, ask CFA what style of play they teach. Is it different from the sand and surf play out of the back approach? If so, why? What influences do you draw from as a club? Do they define their own do they define their own yeah. curriculum, or do they try to follow what US soccer is trying to propose? 
for youth development. So three, four part question here. One question or five. Hey, we're going to serve it all in. Hey, let's put them on a clock as well. Oh, man. Six, on a clock. 60 seconds, go Dallas. <laughs> we just like to get it forward oh, and, and win games of soccer. Really. Yeah, get the, ball, get the ball across the line. So we just practiced like striking the ball for distance and then getting the fast cut up front. You know, like 60 yards. Really good, that is. No, no, all honestly, I let Dallas go into the phases of the game and our curriculum and stuff Dallas put it together for the club and it's uh, it's getting implemented and it's it's effect, it's helping us a lot um, I will we'll add Dallas is currently looking at the sand and surf I'm curriculum so if you know anything good it's definitely from our club but no I, go ahead know. Dallas I just saw him text and said hey we need to edit our curriculum yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are screwed <laughs> <laughs> no uh, we uh, I think our, our curriculum is kind of based on I would, yeah, obviously we want our players to encourage them to have the ball and find solutions with the ball, but I think you can boil it down to just can the players make the right decisions by reading the, the opposition and find a way to be successful and getting higher up the field using whatever means necessary. Like uh, in terms like if they're playing out of the back and they're high pressuring us, like can our players solve the problem? If, if, if that means they can connect through, then great. If that means they have to go up and over the top, then great. But it's really being a, 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 an approach about uh, the players solving the problems and us giving the tools to solve those problems. So, um, you know, you've seen the games where kids are being high-pressed out of the back and they can't get out of the back and they end up losing a game, you know, 6 or 7-0, not because the other team is better, but because just where they're losing the ball in proximity to the goal. So can the players problem-solve using the right technique is kind of what we base our entire curricul- uh, curriculum on. Um, and that's you know I don't I wish I had a PowerPoint presentation where we could we could show everybody what it is, but it's kind of just usually based on those things, <laughs> and it goes into detail. Video feature coming in twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Right, no, no kidding. So but we'll get you we'll get you back in for that Dallas. Yeah, that'd be a good for that. They probably want. And it just quick then, seeing as Dallas has answered the the main of it, do you as a club director do you draw influence or inspiration from any other clubs or U.S. soccer or any other outside entities? Uh, the way we, the way we want our club to play. Um, it kind of based on how I was brought up playing the game. Like we want our teams to, when they can, play with the with the ball on the floor, um, and kind of building through the phases. So we we do ask our coaches to work through the phases of the game, um, building out the back through the midfield. You know how to solve problems in the final third, and obviously the finishing side of it, mm-hmm. as well as the how to defend in all those phases of the game. Um, as our teams get older, you know the curriculum gets in a little bit more detail. Uh, as they're younger, we're looking, we're looking a lot on the technical development of the player in those different phases, and to give our players tools to problem solve. You know, fantastic. Very well answered. Thank you, guys. All right, question two. Uh, let's have a look. How much time outside of my scheduled training session should my kids be playing soccer? Ooh. Anybody want to jump on that? I think that's a great question. As much as possible. Sam, that's not what the that's not what the listeners want. They want details. We can't, we can't give you we can't give you a set time like seventeen and a half minutes. Play for four hours a week because playing for five hours a week is better than playing for four hours a week. Just as much as you can possibly play. What is that theory? Ten thousand hours. <laughs> <an> hour. <laughs> You're a pro or something. Crazy like that. Yeah. No, uh, I think for me it's I I mean I want my, our players to get get touches, but again. We've got to think about the entire development of the of the of the child. Hydration. And, I mean, yeah, recovery, rest, hydration, but also like, do they have time to be a kid and experience those things? Because at the end of the day, like, we we need to give them 
a balanced life, if they're super passionate about the game and they have an appetite for it, then I would stoke that appetite and stoke that that passion. If they are indifferent, then I think you could get some kickback if you're like, hey, you got to be training 10 hours a week to like, I only got, you know, four and a half hours in me to do these things. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, that's an interesting question. I think it kind of comes down to how passionate your child is about the game and, you know, where, where they see themselves going and, and, uh, you know, what age level they are, can they, can they drive themselves around? You know, if they're a, you know, an 06, they're not driving anywhere and your parents are driving them everywhere to, to, to those things. So it comes down to like, what's their family life? What's their home life like? So that's a really complex answer to, to get it right. But, uh, I would say if the kid is passionate about it, encourage that passion. If the kid is indifferent and just is doing it to do it, then I don't think you have anything really to worry about. Yeah. As well as touching the ball, I'd say watch the game more oh, as well. Please, 100%. Club director, well played. Like, watch the game. He's still... Uh, I, I can jump in. You go on. Just, you know, it's not all about touching the ball all the time. There's different ways we can learn. And for me, is watching the game. Like we're lucky out here that there's so much soccer football on TV. Like we have the we have the opportunity to watch more games out here than anyone who lives in Europe, pretty much. Um, so there's really no excuse to not watch the game and. Maybe if a kid isn't quite motivated as much as a a Flight 3 kid isn't as motivated maybe as a Flight 1 kid, you know, you can stoke that motivation. You know, you can get them watching the game, play with them, whatever you want to, however you want to do it. Even FIFA, rather than Fortnite. Bash a bit of FIFA, yeah. But we don't promote Fortnite. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Isn't there a new one now? Don't tell me. I've heard Apex Legends. I heard that in the high school, yeah. Oh, dear. Just hey, looking at that really Football manager, by the way. Hanging around the high school. Football manager. <laughs> That's a, mate, I played that all the time, football manager. I still do now. <laughs> Relating it to our club, like if this is a question from a parent maybe on like an elite team that trained three times a week, uh, I don't think we need to be training more. And like Dallas was saying, maybe they don't have the time, maybe they don't have the resource, but you know like like Andy was talking about I think they have to watch the game and be a fan of the game and something that I've seen these last two years more than the nine years I've been in this country is like our 2010s and 09s actually support teams they turn up the training they're collecting the stickers you know they're trading uh you know they taught one kid turned up the other day and was like, you know, he's a big Man United fan. He's like, coach, did you see the Man United Chelsea game? And I was like, of course it is. What was the score in that? Uh, Dude, I, I, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is a big part of it. Look, at the end of the day, the way you're going to develop on and off the field is by watching the game a little bit and becoming a fan and that inspiring you. So, you know, I think people are obsessed. And this country has drilled into them like that. What is it? The hundred thousand hours, yeah. you know, like there's so many of these individual private hours, training people now that are like, you need to touch, 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 touch all the time. I think those situations are good when the kids have maybe a week off or coming back from injury or stuff like that. But I think... You know, off the field is very important to be a fan of the game. Well, and all that. Yeah. We also got to understand, like, again, if you look at our country and the culture of our country, like, there's not a lot of, like, when I was growing up, for whatever reason, at my elementary school, we were playing soccer 
every time through any kind of recess that we had or after lunch, like that was constantly going on. Did you, where did you grow up? Grew up in uh, Littleton, Colorado, and then moved to Dallas, Texas. So there you go. Is that when you changed your name? That's it. I, I, from, from, from Littleton to Dallas, I changed it. <laughs> It's actually going to be called Costa Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Costa Mesa to you. <laughs> I want a steak cup, sir. <laughs> How dare you? What was your name when you won that steak yeah, exactly. cup? It was Glendale. Mr. Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> it has since been confirmed that everything we have discussed today <laughs> relates to Dallas. And <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. No, but like, I, I can't wait for the day when kids are just playing more in the streets and like to the local park and stuff. But, but they've got to get they got to get the permits to, 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 to get to, <laughs> yeah. to be able to, to play just like pick up. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the key word. Over in America, they use the word train, whereas in the rest of the world, just play. Just play like. Yeah, just go in the streets and play with kids three years older than you, you know, same age. Go and play with your grandma and your granddad. Like, just go and play. Knock on doors, get the boys, yeah. girls yeah. out. Yeah. Play with yeah, random, cool. play with random concrete, kids yeah. on the field that you don't even know. Just go and set up a game. I heard that Ajax was doing, uh, they do the, in their facility, they have like, a street like court they do where they like paved it like an Amsterdam street they put like street lights yeah. like an Amsterdam street and then it's like they're out there just playing on concrete under the street lights yeah I've seen that's fantastic their academy by the way is for the listeners we should probably say the team Mr. Colson Mace is talking about is Ajax Ajax <laughs> Ajax <laughs> so he said Ajax they're sponsored Ajax. by Ajax the cleaning <laughs> company as well you know what though it's, it, it's a good point that you say about the train and play right it just brought memory back in my just head I was never a goalkeeper ever in my life, but I used to actually go out in my back garden with my dad, right? And be a goalkeeper. Mm. But in that situation, my dad was never like, you got to collapse on your right leg. <laughs> he was li- I would literally be standing in going, come on, shoot at me. And I think that's a big, like, parents out there, when you go take your kid out to the pitch and let them just play yeah. Don't be giving them coaching points and advice. Like, just, you know, they just want to play. Go yeah. and kick, you know, if a parent can't even kick a ball, you know, roll it at them and let them, you know, that, that, no, that's, true. that's a big, it's definitely a big culture out here. And we've talked about the tag coach. Like, that is a big thing out here. The volunteers in sports love being called coach. And they take that into everything. And I think, you know what? Sometimes just going out to the field with your kid and his younger brother and whether kicking a ball at the goal or in triangles or playing off the wall is as good as anything for them. But you don't need to be coaching them while you're doing it. You know, play. I thought, hey, we're going to have to upload we should, that you know, as we should, hashtag today. We should well, do a... Play, s- not train. A well, sa- sanded surf, like a designated day, CFA said, like, well, all the coaching is, we all know, we're like, we're just showing up. Let them play. Yeah, that's it. Just play. Send us pictures of the kids just playing. Just playing. Just to summarise, yeah, I think off the field is just as important as on the field in answer to that question. And also, let the kids be kids. Um, I think both points are addressed really well there. And, you know, take a, take a sit, take a back seat a little bit, sit on the back burner, let the kids just, you know, do their thing, let them play and watch the results come in. So, fantastic. Two great answers to two great questions. Um, the penultimate question. Ooh. 
a nice one. If you guys didn't hear in the background, in towards the end of part two, Coach Stephen has joined us. Um, welcome, Coach Stephen. Another accent in the room. I'm not sure where. What's it, Louisiana accent? Sure, Southern California, Dan. <laughs> One of the only natives. Thanks for having me. That actually still it's a lives pleasure here. to be here. Absolutely. Steve, you actually came in at a great time, buddy, because amongst the questions that were sent in by parents, there was a fantastic one sent in from a very, you know, supportive parent of the club, um, Brownfield, as we've mentioned numerous times <laughs> in our podcast. Um, so the question is, Stephen, we'll go, we'll go straight to you, buddy. Does Coach Stephen wear multiple jackets? Like a Russian nesting doll. Is this a serious question? This is a serious question. Do you take Speci- one off, then there's another one? Specifically And there's another one, and there's another one. It's specifically to you, so... I think people are wondering why you never wear a t-shirt. Why I never wear a t-shirt. Even when it's 100 degrees. It's 43 degrees this morning when I woke up and got in the car to go to training, so I wore a t-shirt. A you don't co- need to know the specifics co- underneath. Well, there's a very specific question. Uh, a t-shirt, <laughs> yeah. a quarter zip, top... Uh, a full zip jacket and then a big parka jacket. So I did have four layers on this morning. It was, again, it was 43 degrees when I stepped on the field. <laughs> we can confirm that Stephen is currently wearing a long sleeve jacket inside the office as well. <laughs> Got that question in there for you guys. Um, all right, guys, just to round off the pod for this week, we are going to ask each coach in the room, there are now six of us so we'll go very quickly we'll start with we've already answered it it was a long time ago things have changed things change in soccer Sam come on oh you want to change my answer yeah I don't (laughs) want to change mine (laughs) Um, I'll give Sam the credit for this question he brought this one up you'll see why he wants to change his answer he's out alright we're going to ask the guys from CFA first if you could compare yourself to a as you guys have said, EPL manager, a Premier League manager. What Premier League manager oh, are that's you? That's a cool question. And why? You've got 10 seconds. 10 seconds to think about it. Quickly. Right, so you guys have just been in, you've just met Dan. Why do you think Dan wants us to ask our questions again? Who do you think he picked first time round? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick sorry. <laughs> why do you want Never to change? Picked sorry. Who do I pick? You've heard of you've heard of Sari Ball. <clears throat> well, yes. Macaball show <laughs> this year supposedly. Macaball was on show. I will take credit for that. Everything got vertical combinations. Ver- the, the vertical tiki taka. <laughs> he changed it. Like you know, you do the numbers, the number six and the number eight. He's telling his kids play the Jorginho. Yeah. Number five. <laughs> you know, you want to make the campaign run. Just throw it out. Go. Down. I'd say probably Eddie Howe. Ooh. Eddie Howe. You like a pair of black trainers, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah black trainer. I like part time part time yeah. PE teacher yeah. on the side. Part, no, that's, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> He's a tracksuit manager, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember I was out with some coaches once at, the, at an ODP uh, event, and they asked, like, you know, what would you, if you were an EPO manager, what would you like? They're like, oh, dude, look, suit and tie, you know, pea coat, the whole thing. I was just like, who the, who cares? Like, why, why would we care what you would wear? Let's just win a game. So, anyhow, anyhow, that's why I compare myself to. Really. Strictly for the fact that he's just reclassing. <laughs> Strictly because he sticks to his way of playing. He seems to have a good head on his shoulder, and, you know, he's not a fan you know, I don't know. I like it, yeah. And he's probably won steak up too. Yeah. yeah. How's that one steak up? Good question. Uh, well, being a United fan, obviously I'm not going Alex Ferguson. 
but I do I do like the way Solskjaer's come in and put a smile on everyone's face yeah. made it a good positive learning environment does. is that what Andy does everyone shows up smiling has a great time yeah. learns the game attacking right. football attacking football don't worry we'll always outscore the opponent you know so give me Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and maybe a little bit of Mike Phelan in there Andy, Ooh, yeah. here we go we will give you Ole Gunnar Solskjaer if you can spell it <laughs> O-L-E. Hey! 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 Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a former a former Premier League manager. He's not, he's not around anymore. Oh. Sam Allardyce. Oh, oh. that doesn't fit the curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He's only said only that. for it's only for his off the field style. Scandal. Pretty much. Backhanders. He drinks pints of wine. <laughs> Steve. Steve so is all about money. Yeah. Off the field scandals. Right. That's pretty much sums him up. Nothing to do with his pious style. Envelopes of cash slid under tables. You know. <laughs> How do you think I afford to live in Southern California? <laughs> Carl, can you remind us who yours was or if you've changed? Quickly, I can't what? remember. Tony Pulis, well, co- coaching styles changing the three months since we last did. No, no, I had. A... There's sackers every day in the Premier League. A new manager might have come in, like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I had a mix. I had a think. I had a mix of two people. Did I say? You said Pulis. <laughs> right, so <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why. Tony Pulis is a renowned players love him. He gets on with everybody. He's very passionate. He's very energetic. He loves a tracksuit. So tracksuit, that's true. I loves think white trainers and a hat. Yeah. Always yeah. oh, got fresh trainers. Fresh, <laughs> all white, ultra boosts. Like yeah. you know. So that was in terms of not the soccer and the way his teams play, but his character. I would say I would be pretty much a very like relating it to Eddie Howe, like a Martin O'Neill kind of passionate. Constantly punching above your weight. Always is punching. Yeah, I think yeah. people like me. I don't know, yeah. you know. So that was it, you know. It's been told. It's been. It's Dan, been we can just pass you because you're gonna say Mourinho now or something. Mine no, was actually Pochettino back in the day. That's who I chose. Espanol Pochettino. Actually reading his book right yeah. now. Has anybody read it? Good book. Good, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's from Gwyn Balagay, that Sp- Spanish journalist that reports a lot. Did you not say Demetrio? If we go to Europe, <gasps> won the Champions League, didn't I? Simeone. Oh, Diego God. Simeone. Only for the. Uh, that might be celebrations, celebrations. Yeah. And, his, and his comb over. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Chris? I like an all black. Kevin? Who, who, who would be Simeone and Sam and Sam? Go on, Sam. Uh, I picked Klopp, didn't I? <gasps> and you having a, you're having a go at me. All, hey, just always having a good time, always positive. Did we not say Steve Bruce I think that was I think Carl was just stolen my shout for Sam by the way I'm taking full credit for that Premier League manager Bruce you can't hack it in the Premier League anymore I thought we just his lookalike (laughs) 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 no No, broken no I remember mentioning the Aston Villa who was it that was who we mentioned for Sam last time Aston Villa not in Premier League no no what's his name 
<coughs> the guy they got from Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. Our, what did you? Not no, Premier, well, he also said he wasn't even a manager. The goalkeeper, you remember, with a scandal at eight <laughs> on the sideline. Oh, oh, it's two years since that. United. Pygate. Two years today or two years yesterday since he did that. He was just having That's some the fun. That's what he was like, oh, I was just having some fun trying to make a quid. They're like, and you're out. Yeah. <laughs> it's typically beer gate for you though, right, Sam? Anyways. That's it. I think that'll round us up. Uh, guys, Andy, Dallas, thank you again for coming, you know, driving down to come and join us. We'll give him a round of applause. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank drive you. Back, back. Yeah, yeah, it's all green, I just checked. Uh, Gotta yeah. swing by Shake Shack first, though, just up the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for coming down. Appreciate it. Uh, our first guest from another club. I think you guys handled it really well. It's good to hear that you guys are doing a lot of similar things to us at the club, going in the right direction, and uh, we wish you all the best. For the future Thank you. with your club. Thank you. uh, Sam, anything to leave the listeners with? Uh, no, I don't think so. Carl? Nope, all good. Steve will give the last final word to you. Bye bye. Done.